You're listening to the Chronicles of Aguna, the Arsenal podcast. I'm Martin Tyler, and you're listening to Harry Simeon. Hello and welcome back to another live edition of the Chronicles of Aguna, the Arsenal podcast brought to you by 90 Min. As ever, I'm your host, Harry Simeon. I'm delighted to be joined once again by Mr. Dan Potts. Dan, how are you feeling, mate? You feeling better this week? Do you know what? I am feeling much better. I've had a rough week uh, of it, man. I had a nasty ear infection and on antibiotics and all sorts, and that gave me even more side effects. So um, I'm back fighting fit, mate, and looking forward to chatting to you. But it's not the best of days, Harry. It's not been a very uh, pleasant 2020, but uh, yeah, we'll, we'll go into it. But losing another legend is never nice. So it's not. It's a very sad day for football. Yeah, no doubt about it. Sad day. Uh, for football, sad day for sport. Um, absolutely guide, absolutely guide. Can't believe that Diego Maradona's passed away. One of my true idols. Anybody who knows me, um, sort of personally, will know how much I, I sort of adored Diego Maradona. Not just because of his unreal footballing ability, but because of his character. And and he's somebody who, for me, um, was a larger-than-life character, somebody who carried the weight and expectation, not only of his nation, but when he went to Italy in particular, you know, carried the the weight of the, the, the people of Naples, the pressure he was under. For me, the first true superstar in football. And when you look at Diego Maradona's story and you look at sort of the way things unraveled for him towards the end, you can't help but have sympathy for a guy who... Clearly, his heart was in the right place, but just kind of struggled to cope with the fame, struggled to cope with sort of the outside influences. And and I would urge anybody who hasn't seen it um, to go over and watch um, uh, and watch Asif Kapadia's recent film uh, about Diego Maradona. I've watched it multiple times. And as a mate put it to me earlier on, um, it's the perfect tribute to the greatest ever. Um you know, only when you watch that do you really sort of understand how this guy, and it focuses predominantly on the period he spent in Italy, in Serie A with Napoli, who literally were, were nothing at the time. And he went there and he the whole city got behind him. And Diego Maradona took uh, Napoli to unbelievable heights. And But then, you, you know, you really get a, a good intimate feel of how his career went. You hear about stuff behind the scenes. And the best thing about the film for me is that Diego is the one telling the story. This is not people sitting there talking about him. Yeah, there's a bit of that, but it's predominantly Diego talking about it. And, you know, it's it's, obvi- it's, uh, it's honest. It's brutal at times. Um, all the layers are off. There's no sort of dancing around things. He takes responsibility for some of the bad things he did. But what an incredible footballer, some iconic moments. I know people always talk about the hand of God and all that. And for me, that's just mostly bitter England fans, to be honest. But, you know, that's that's one thing. Let's talk about the um, unbelievable goal he scored in the same game. Um, all the wonderful memories. And, and for me, when you're looking at natural, raw talent, Diego tops the pile for me um 
did it in multiple places, did it on the international stage. For me, the greatest of all time. And I'm absolutely shocked and devastated to hear of this news. I, I, I went into the house um, sort of from my office just after the news broke and my missus could instantly see on my face that something was up. Like, you know, it, it, it's amazing, isn't it? You don't, you don't know these people on a personal level, but when somebody has such a big, I'm not going to say influence because it's not like I was ever going to be the next Diego Maradona, but when you really sort of get inspired by someone, even if you haven't met him, even if you don't know him, and then you you hear of news like that, it's um it's hard to take and it's hard to stomach, and and lots of people sort of paying tribute to Diego in the live chat as well. Pierre says, "I always heard Diego is one of the best. For me, it was Ronaldo or Messi till I seen proper highlights and games of Diego and could not believe my eyes. Maradona is by far the best ever in history." Omar says, "Can't believe he's gone." R.I.P. Legend. Brad Richardson says, 15 years ago today, George Best died too. And R.I.P. Heavy D. We're going to come on to that in a minute. Um, Marco Williams, R.I.P. Goat. Um, Robert Sanger, I told you, bitter England fans. <laughs> a cheat, but a bloody good cheat. And of course, one of the greatest of all time. Yeah, for me, the best, without question. Marco Williams says, my father literally sat me down and told me stories about how he played I saw that documentary about him in Napoli. It was incredible. Truly the greatest of all time. Stel Stiliano from the Shoot the Defence podcast. Head over there. Check them out. He says, absolutely devastated, Harry. He's the reason I fell in love with the game. Lots of people paying tribute to the great and the late, unfortunately, Diego Maradona. But that's not the only sad news um, that we've had today, particularly as as the Arsenal family. Um Many of you will have known him from reality TV. Many of you will have known him from AFTV. And whatever your thoughts are on AFTV, because I know there are a lot of people that that don't like AFTV, that don't watch AFTV, that don't want anything to do with it. That's absolutely fair enough. But Heavy D um, sat next to me at the Emirates Stadium, probably for most of a season. Um, And all I can say about the guy was he was as pleasant as ever. Um, always up for a laugh, always made everybody around us laugh, always positive, always happy, always upbeat. And I was devastated to hear that he sadly passed away as well this week. So, I mean, uh, Dan, what is going on, man? What a week. What a week, what a year. Uh, The year of 2020 has been pretty tough for everybody and we've heard some sad, sad news after the back of losing Ray Clements, another footballing legend. This happens today. It's it's absolutely dreadful when when you hear this news, not for the fact that it's sad in terms of the football, but you do feel it, Harry, you do. You know, I know how much you love Diego Maradona as being somebody who loves the game uh, and appreciating the talent. And I think it's one of those debates and probably one of the biggest debates in football about who the greatest of all time is um, a lot of people say Pele you've got two currently playing in Ronaldo and Messi that everybody mentions but the first person that most of the people mention whenever I ask that question is Diego Maradona because they appreciate the talent that was there it was raw it was the talent that come with such a character whenever you see videos or hear stories they are always mesmerizing and that goal that he scored in the same hand of God game probably go down as one of the best ever goals scored in the game. So devastating news. And um, like you, I was very, very sad to hear it. Um, and also rest in peace, Heavy D, a guy that um, was 
very, very popular around the Arsenal fan base. Real positive guy. Somebody I had the pleasure of meeting a couple of times and just a real pleasure uh, to know and to chat to uh, as an Arsenal fan. So he will be sadly missed, as will Diego Maradona. Yeah, of course, man. Of course. Two two sad um, bits of news today. Not the way we wanted to start the podcast. Not the way I planned to start the podcast, to be honest. Had to be said, though, man. Had to be, had said. To be said. Exactly. Had to be said. And and as I was saying to Dan off air before we hit the, the live button, we will be bringing you a, a special video on Diego Maradona in the next few days. I'm going to sit and put something together because for me, this truly is the greatest player of all time. And I feel like I want to do a piece of content specifically dedicated to Diego Maradona and why, in my opinion, he is the best player of all time. Because for me, you know, for me, Diego Maradona is somebody who was just before my time. But once you kind of learn to appreciate sort of what a great he was and and you hear the stories and you watch the footage, he's somebody that throughout sort of the last few years, I've really looked into a lot. And and um, as I said, if you don't know much about Diego Maradona, if you are a little bit too young uh, for Diego Maradona, then check out the Diego Maradona film. As I've already said, I'll I'll put the name of it in the description for those of you that are looking for it. I think it's on Amazon Prime at the moment, if I'm not mistaken. Um, and I'm sure plenty will be tuning into it over the next few days. Right, Dan, um, let's talk Arsenal. Um we put out a poll earlier on today um, and it's it's kind of come off the back of some some recent interviews that he's been given. And he gave an interview to the ITV football podcast today or, or the clip was doing the rounds today anyway, where Jack Wilshire um, spoke about how it would be a dream come true if he was to return to Arsenal. He did stress that there is no kind of ongoing talks about this. There is no discussion about this um, taking place at the minute, but I put a poll out and I'm actually, I haven't looked at the results for a little bit. So let's have a quick look at um, what the results are saying on this, because the possibility of, of Jack Wilshire returning to Arsenal on a, some kind of maybe a pay as you play contract is something that sort of some Arsenal fans have been discussing of late. A lack of creativity has been a real issue. Um, while I bring up the results of the poll, what's your kind of view on it? Is he somebody that you'd like to see back if the kind of conditions are right? I love Jack Wilshere, mate. Absolutely love him. And uh, the age of 29, his, his career is not over. My problem with it is um, that he is an injury-prone player. If he was going to be fit for the next three seasons consecutively, he would walk into our first team. He would walk into the midfield. He loves the club, his passion. He's got some leadership qualities. And I think that he's a player that I've always respected because I, I love talent. And I see talent there with him. Uh, my only concern is his fitness. And I think that that is one of the reasons that West Ham haven't taken up the option of keeping him at the club because he just could not get a consecutive run of games. If he was fit, um, I would take both Jack Wilshere and Cesc Fabregas back to Arsenal. <laughs> um, but I don't believe that that is an option. And sometimes it does make me wonder because I've not just heard Jack Wilshere over the last few days, Harry, I've heard Fabregas. We heard Cazorla last season when his uh, Villarreal was coming to an end. Olivier Giroud in January that Chelsea don't fancy that scored again last night in the last minute. Um, players that, in my opinion, perhaps will be going backwards 
um, rather than forwards because we've been there and done that and we see that it didn't actually achieve as much in terms of winning trophies. So I feel like we should be moving forward and forgetting about those players. But if you offered me Jack Wilshere now, most fans would find it very hard to say no because of their kind of sentimental reasons. But I think the right option would be not to. Yeah, I totally agree with you. I feel like sentiment would be kind of leading the way in a decision like that. And, you know, at a time where we've kind of, well, over the last few years, we've all sat here as Arsenal fans and and said that the club haven't been ruthless enough, the club haven't been decisive enough. And so to bring somebody like Jack Wilshere back, for me, wouldn't make any sense. Um, Yes, we love him. Yes, you know, he's he's an Arsenal lad, etc., etc., but what's happened with with Jack Wilshire in recent times doesn't really sit right with me. Um, it, obviously, he alleges that he was fit at West Ham and just wasn't getting a look in. And you sit there and you think to yourself, well, if you're not getting a look in at West Ham United, why are you good enough for Arsenal? Why are you good enough to come back and play for this club? There's no doubt that injuries played a massive part in Jack Wilshere's sort of decline. Um, We all know that. We all acknowledge that. If you cast your mind back to that game against Barcelona, where he was phenomenal. And it it wasn't the only game that Jack Wilshere was good in. I know that's the game that people kind of point to and people go back to. But he's a player of immense talent who unfortunately can't stay fit. Um, And even if he's fit technically in terms of you know, he hasn't got any muscle strains. He, he can run around, whatever. That There's always going to be those question marks around his physical condition. Is he robust enough for the Premier League? You know, what, can he take challenges? Can he deal with impact? Can he recover from that? His style of play, I would say as well, invites a lot of those challenges. It's not to say that they're right and it's not to say that the referee shouldn't protect him more. But we know Jack likes to carry the ball in a certain way. And at times it has invited the kind of challenges that have left him in a heap on the floor. So, yeah, I I think you're absolutely right, mate. Love the guy. I think he's a really big talent. But for me, you don't go back to an ex, do you? Simple as that. Well, Um, I think think as well, Harry, if if I was Jack Wilshere, Maybe even maybe even I think this now actually because I like Jack Wilshere as a as a kind of player and respect him. Maybe I prefer him to go to Napoli. Maybe I prefer him to go to Dortmund. Just try it over there. See what happens. Not quite as physical. Um, might be able to keep himself injury kind of free. Um, and you know I feel like him and Daniel Sturridge on free transfers would be quite good move for somebody abroad. You know, because potentially they've got two players that if they can keep fit, will do very well for them. So I wish Jack Wilshire all the best. I just don't think I see him in an Arsenal shirt again. Yeah, agreed. Agreed. Another, uh, we'll just touch on those poll results first, actually, uh, before we move on. So we put the poll out a little bit earlier on today. A couple of hundred of you have voted so far. Uh, would you consider bringing Jack Wilshire back on a pay-as-you-play contract? 56.3% of you say yes. 43.7% though say no. So it is very split, um, but I would probably assume, and I'm, I'm sure you agree, Dan, that those people that are saying yes is based on sentiment rather than anything Absolutely. Else. Absolutely. It has, to be, has to be. Right. Um, just quickly before we move on, um, because it's just been brought up in the chat and I actually did save uh, this image to share with you guys during this podcast. But unfortunately, um, I got all caught up in the Diego Maradona stuff and I, I, my mind just ran away with me. But Diego Maradona actually 
made this headline back in the 1980s. I want to play for Arsenal. Diego Maradona, the four million pound Argentina superstar, admitted last night, I want to play for Arsenal. Can you imagine Diego had come to, to Highbury. That would have been incredible. Wow. Would have been an even bigger legend for you, mate. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. Fantastic stuff. Uh, check that one out in the archives. Uh, so have a look. Uh, Diego Maradona, I want to play for Arsenal. And Diego, during his career, come out with some incredible quotes. Um, <laughs> some of these are, are unreal. Talking about his kids. My legitimate kids are Dalma and Janina. The rest are a product of my money and mistakes. Um, just what a character. I mean, I'm not saying that that stuff is right, but just it, it highlights, doesn't it? What a character um, what he is. He says, my mother thinks I'm the best and I was raised to always believe what my mother tells me. Unbelievable. Um, <laughs> it's incredible. Um so, some of them are a little bit controversial. Um, I'm not going to sort of touch on, on loads of them. But as I said, we're going to do a special video dedicated to, to Diego Maradona. Um, we should get that out within the next 24 hours or so. So stay tuned. Uh, keep an eye on the channel for that. If you haven't already and you're currently watching us live, make sure you smash the like button and subscribe to the channel if you haven't already. If you prefer to listen to us on the audio platforms, you can also do that. You can subscribe to the Chronicles of Aguna on all major audio platforms at the moment. And as you guys will know, we've partnered up with 90min, which means um, get following our socials as well, because there's lots and lots of content coming your way um, over the next few months or so. So really looking forward to taking things up a level and bringing you guys even more Arsenal and football at times. Uh, related content. Right, uh, let's move on. Another player, Dan, that Arsenal are being heavily linked with at the moment is Christian Eriksen, former Spurs man. Mikel Arteta was asked about it in his press conference today. Of course, Mikel Arteta did what everybody expected Mikel Arteta to do, and that was to, to say, I don't want to talk about other clubs' players, but is Christian Eriksen someone you would consider bringing in if he is indeed available for around about £12 million? I would normally say no, just because as far as I'm concerned, I look at it and think, I believe there is a player there, but I have not seen it at Inter Milan. I don't think Inter Milan have seen it, which is why they're looking at getting rid of him. What I would say is with somebody like Christian Eriksen, for £12 million, that's got to be a bit of a steal, hasn't it? I mean, as far as I'm concerned, he's 28 years old. So I would say that was an absolute steal for 12 million. Now, the first rumour I heard was something about Granite Chaka. You would love that, deal. wouldn't you? Bloody hell, you I would, would love that. definitely, definitely go for that, man. I know you'd be gutted. You'd be crying all the way back. But I would say personally <laughs> that you're looking at um, looking at a situation where that is not the case. I can't see Granite Chaka leaving in the January transfer window, if at all, if I'm honest with you. But I think Christian Eriksen for 12 million pounds would be a... a, a, a steal if I'm honest with you whether he would want to come or not I don't know if the loyalty's there or the rivalry with Spurs I'm really not so sure um, but I think when you get to a stage of creativity I think we do definitely need something and we have created chances Harry yeah we have we've created chances which our strikers have fluffed and we've messed up but we haven't created enough and we don't look free flowing at the moment it looks like we need something whether it's from the wide areas or the center of the pitch we need to try and create something and i think ericsson would do that um 
However, if you was to say to me a signing in January that you'd be wanting, I would go for Dominic Sabashlai over Ericsson due to his age and due to the fact that he is currently on form over Ericsson. Um, so I would prefer to go for Dominic Sabashlai from Salzburg, 23 million release clause, I believe. Uh, and some are saying that the contract you can pay over three seasons. I don't know how true that is. Um, and we'll definitely go for that option in installments because we're Arsenal. So I think Dominic Savage-Lai would be a better option personally. But don't rule this one out. If 12 million is on the cards and it's available and Ericsson wants to come, why can't it happen? It's a difficult one with Ericsson for me because he's obviously a very temperamental player, Christian Ericsson. And we've seen that sort of towards the end of his Spurs career. He, he wanted to leave. He made a song and dance about it. Um, and he didn't leave in the nicest possible way. Not that I give a shit, you know, he's shit housing Spurs. It is what it is. But I mean, Spurs fans will tell you that they were disappointed by the way that he left and sort of his attitude towards the end. He made a big thing about going to Inter, that it was a step up, that it was a big kind of move forward in his career. It hasn't really worked out for Christian Eriksen at Inter. He's been a bit part player. Um you know, Antonio Conte, for whatever reason, doesn't really fancy him, which begs the question, why did Inter go and pay what they paid for him? Because from what I understand, they paid in excess of £20 million for him um, at a time when his contract was coming to an end anyway. So it felt like they kind of jumped the gun to get him and, and you thought, oh, you know what, Inter really want this guy. But it hasn't worked out for him there. Um, as I said, he's been a bit part player in and out of the side we talk about Arsenal's sort of creating chances and, you know, I, I get what you mean when you say that we have had chances to win games and we haven't taken them. But just kind of, and I know stats don't always tell the whole picture, but when you look at the Premier League's official website and you go down the big chances missed um, sort of column for stats, Arsenal are way down in, in 15th position. It, according to them, we've missed seven big chances in the Premier League this season. And when you compare that to Liverpool, who are on 17, Villa 13, Leeds 13, City 11, Spurs 11, even Brighton and, and Sheffield United are up there with 10. When you think that Brighton and Sheffield United are creating more, it is a worry, isn't it? And, you know, we need to find a, a solution. Touching on Zoboslai, who you mentioned, you're absolutely right. There are plenty of rumours suggesting that we could uh, do some kind of deal like that. There are also reports suggesting that Arsenal um, would need to loan him back. If they were to sign him in January, they'd need to loan him back for the remainder of the season. And that could set them apart from everybody else in the race for Zobosly's signature. So that would be interesting to see how that pans out as well. But Zobosly, from what I know, is predominantly a left-sided player, more than a sort of central player. He has played centrally. Um, from what I see, but he's predominantly a left-sided player. So does that kind of back up the kind of theory that you kind of have been going on about for a while, about the fact that the creativity needs to come from the wide players rather than a traditional number 10? I think the, the argument I made was that it doesn't have to come from the wide play, but it can do. It's not always about we need a Kevin De Bruyne or a Meza Ozil or a Eden Hazard or a David Silva. You know, if you haven't got one of those players that Liverpool haven't got, you need to sort a system out to find a way of creating from either wide men or uh, your fullbacks, which is what Liverpool do. So I think when you're creating chances there in the list that we're quite low down on, I'd be interested to see how many of those chances we missed to make it 1-0. 
because stats and missed chances are one thing, but how many points have we lost through our missed chances and how many points have Spurs and City lost from their missed chances? That's what I'd like to look at because Saka's chance against Leeds lost us, uh, lost us two points. Um, Lacazette's chance that he missed against Leicester dropped us points. Lacazette's chance that he missed against Alisson at Liverpool dropped us points. Saka and Aubameyang had their shots saved from Edison, which cost us three points. So I would like to see how many points were lost because of our missed chances. And that's what's the most frustrating thing. If we were losing four or five nils and we were losing chances or winning four or five nil and missing chances, that's a different story. But we were missing the chances that could have made us go either two one or one nil up. And that's the most frustrating thing for me. But absolutely spot on in terms of our creativity or lack of creativity because it has been poor. And I think that was why... Everybody said Thomas Party was so important, but I would argue that Hossa Bawar was as important because I think he would have been our creative man. And that's why I said we needed both if we were serious about trying to get into the top four, because without both, I didn't think we had any chance and I still stand by that this season. Brilliant stuff. Moving on to Arsenal's upcoming Europa League fixture against Mulder. Um, just a bit of team news for you guys. Uh, Bukayo Saka has not travelled, but he will be available for the game against Wolves on Sunday. So some positive news there. Uh, Willian has also not travelled uh, to Mulder, but he will be assessed ahead of Sunday's game. Uh, so no real update on him. Uh, Thomas Partey is another one who has stayed behind, continues his rehabilitation from that uh, thigh problem. But again, there's been no clear word on whether he will make the game on Sunday. David Lewis, however, he is back in the squad after his wife gave birth and he will uh, travel. Well, he has travelled to Mulder with the squad. So uh, it'll be interesting to see whether he features. Now, Dan, we know some of the younger players have, have made the trip. The Balligans, the Emil Smith-Rose, the Ben Cottrells, the Miguel Azizes, etc. Would you like to see Mikel give some of these lads a go in a game like this? Because whatever you say... The first team sort of, and I say first team, I mean those guys that have been playing in the Premier League, they're not really cutting the mustard at the moment. So is there any harm in giving some of these youngsters an opportunity to show what they can do? Understatement, bro. Understatement. These senior <laughs> I'm players. trying to be polite. <laughs> uh, man, uh, you know I would, man. What's the answer? Do we put Kolasinac and Mustafi and David Luiz back in or do we go with some of these young people? I would go for some of the young heads and just say to them, listen, this is your chance and take it. Because on Thursday nights, we've seen players like Joe Willock take their chances and it's got them a start at the uh, weekend. Now, a lot of people said he didn't play too well. I actually felt a little bit sorry for the lad because when he was trying to drive forward, Willian and uh, Aubameyang was just standing there doing nothing uh, to try and move for him. So I'm a fan of some of these youngsters and I'd like to see more of them. This is the perfect opportunity for the Eddies, the Balogans, the Smith-Rows, the Nelsons, the, the, the Ainsley Maitland-Niles, the Joe Willocks of this world. And we might even see some of, um, I don't know if Moller has travelled, but he's been someone who's been talked about in the under-23s at scoring goals and playing well. Um, my only worry yet again is we don't seem to be producing any centre-halves or any defensive midfielders. Um, and that's a worry for me because I look at this current England side and they're, they're the positions I say are quite weak. And I can't see that there's any body coming through in a defensive midfield or holding midfield, whatever you want to call it, or centre-half position 
it through England or Arsenal. And that's a worry for me, you know, because at Arsenal, we are going to be looking now at the Kalasanacha, the Zinna Mustafis and the Luis because we have nobody coming through. We heard about William Saliba, who we all highly rate, and uh, Pundits highly rate. He's not been registered. So I think, you know, the team against Mould tomorrow night will probably be very young. But I wouldn't surprise me if we saw some of the, uh, say, two or three of the experienced heads in the likes of players that you know I have no time for in Kalasinac, Mustafi and Luis. But it wouldn't surprise me if all three of them started, if I'm honest with you, mate. Well, Kalasinac is unavailable. So you, oh, get still, in there. <laughs> he's, still, uh, he's still isolating. So you're all right with that one. Um, yeah, I, th- I think one of the interesting, I guess, talking points ahead of this game against Mulder is, um, is Nicolas Pepe. Because... We know he's not going to be available in the Premier League now after that absolute brain fart moment of madness, whatever you want to call it, in the game against Leeds United. Nicolas Pepe, I assume, is going to play a part. And I I think he's probably going to start because because of the fact that he won't be able to play in the Premier League. Uh, So there's nothing to rest him for. But, you know, we've spoken a lot sort of on other shows about maybe Mikel Arteta not being consistent in the way... He's dealt with certain disciplinary issues. Uh, as much as I think he's going to start, I also wouldn't be surprised if he doesn't start as a result of what he's done against Leeds. Where are you kind of sitting on this? Do you feel like Mikel might try and so- sort of stamp his authority and, and and discipline the player by leaving him out of a game that really he should be playing in? This is going to be very interesting, Harry. What happens on Thursday with Pepe? Very, very interesting. And I feel like... At 72 million, he can't just say you're out the club. But there's something that tells me he's going to. There's something that tells me he's done. I said on Monday night on the same old Arsenal review that I think that he's done. I do. I think Nicola Pepe is done with, with Arsenal because Arteta's reaction told me that if you're going to get rid of Gwenduzi, which are two separate incidents, by the way, but if you're going to get rid of Gwenduzi for his um, discipline, on the pitch or off the pitch or both, then perhaps he's going to do the same with Pepe and out him at the club in January. The problem is he's not 7 million like Guendouzi was. He's 72 million. I think the best thing for Pepe to do is to play tomorrow night and score a couple of goals. Yeah, absolutely. But I don't know if that's going to happen because we're going to see from Mikel Arteta how ruthless this guy is because there is other players in his position that are available at the moment, Harry. You know, you've got Reese Nelsons, you've got the likes of Smith Rowe who can play there. You've got the Eddies and Balogans that are going forward in his kind of area. So I would not be surprised if we don't see him, but I think the best for the club and for Pepe is to play and have a bloody good performance. The, the frustrating thing with Pepe is that I think anybody who sort of appreciates the kind of the attacking side of the game, who loves the flair side of the game, looks at him and thinks, yeah, you're frustratingly inconsistent, but there is something there. There is something in this guy that where he has the ability to beat a man with ease, where he has the ability to just open up that left foot and bend one into the far corner. Like We've seen glimpses of Nicolas Pepe and what Nicolas Pepe can do, just not anywhere near frequently enough. Now, Mikel Arteta, speaking in the press conference today, ahead of the game um, against Mulder, said this, he needs to feel that myself and the club are going to protect him. We're giving him time and he needed some time to adapt to the Premier League, a new city, a new language and a new environment. You could see at the end of last season, I'm going to be very demanding because you can see what he can do. 
He has reacted the right way. And hopefully I can see a player that shows that every week. Now, I'd like to think that that is Mikel Arteta basically saying, reading between the lines, I've forgiven him. You know, it was stupid, but the apologies come. Now we move on. Let's focus on getting the best out of this player and get the qualities out that we know he does possess. But another part of me feels like, given what we know about Mikel Arteta so far, some of it could be lip service. Yeah, this is why it's interesting to see what happens. I think if you find a system for Pepe, watch him shine. You know, and Danny's in the chat uh, from Burkham Wonderland. Big up, Danny. He says that Pepe's body language has looked awful all season. And I would agree with that. And I'd probably say it was the same last season when I saw him as well. He just doesn't seem to have that charisma or drive. He's very laid back. His attitude sometimes looks a little bit like a Meza Ozil or an R. Chauvin when he's on the football pitch. And that can sometimes be very off-putting uh, for any football fan to see. But I would say that there is potential there. The guy's 25 years old. He's proved himself in France that he can score goals. He looks to me like he is not suited as a winger at the Premier League because he's not a Messi or a Mares or a Robin where he can cut in on that left-hand side and still get away with doing and selling uh, defenders because he's getting caught out. He's very, very predictable. But if he was to move in more centrally, I think we would have a player there. If we were to go to a system where he plays up front with, say, a Bamiyang, or if he played as a number 10, which I'm still not a fan of, by the way. But if he was to play in that position, I'd like to see what he could do there because the two times that I saw him play there, one being the cup final, I thought he was outstanding. So, yeah, there's a player there, Harry. But if his head is not right, then... It's going to be interesting tomorrow but night. Isn't, to see isn't that part of the manager's job, though, to get those players' heads right? Because, you know, we've seen over the years, we've seen lots of mavericks in football, and that's what I'm going to call them, people that, you know, have the talent, but maybe their attitude is not quite right. Some of the greatest managers, though, throughout history, have found a way of tapping into the talent of those types of players, have found ways of accommodating them, of getting the maximum out of them. And I always have this this argument with my brother, we always discuss this and he always says, we look at football in, in, in a way too complicated manner. The, the only way and the, the, the most sustainable way of having success is to bring in the best players and is to have the best players in an environment in which they can perform. So as much as like we can point the finger at certain players and we can say, you know, this and that, actually part of the manager's responsibility is to get the best out of them as well. And I don't want to keep banging on about him because Mesa Ozil, you know, everybody's sick to death of talking about it. But do you not feel like as well that some of the kind of the poor form we've seen from him in the last few years is partly, not solely, but partly down to the fact that the managers haven't been able to create the environment in which he can flourish? Listen, the situation with Mesurzu, you know my thoughts on this. Like this guy is this is the fifth manager now who's decided oh, to out him. Don't you like him? So, don't you like him? <laughs> man, you know what I think about that absolute nightmare of a player. This is Mourinho, this is Ancelotti, this is Emery, this is Arteta. This is we have far four or five managers now that have just thought, I don't want Ozil around my club because of his attitude. With Pepe, it could be like that. You know, I don't know enough about his attitude and I've not seen enough of him in the Premier League. I've not seen enough of him in France to know what he's like. I know there's talent there, but there's 30% talent and 70% mental with footballers. Everybody's got talent. Otherwise, it wouldn't be a professional footballer. If you've got the mental strength, you'll go far. And even if you're not talented to the Messi or Ronaldo level, but your mentality is of that quality, 
then you're always going to go far. I always take the the example of somebody like, let's take two Liverpool players, James Milner and Jordan Henderson. Probably not two of the most technically gifted players, but have the mentality that has won them trophies and has got them to where they're at because their mentality is so strong, their leadership qualities, their strong mental strength. I look at how good they are in the dressing room and I look at somebody like Ozil and he's chalk and cheese. So is Pepe a James Milner or a Jordan Henderson or is he a Mesut Ozil? Well, we're going to have to find out. I think you're right in what you say about the manager. And I am asking questions over Mikel Arteta and it's early days, it's nine games in the season. But I'm asking questions because I feel I have a right to ask questions about some of the strange team selections, some of the strange tactics, some of the negative uh, play. And sometimes his inconsistencies, not just with his discipline, but with his kind of substitutes or players that have just been kind of phased out. I look at somebody like Ainsley Maitland-Niles, but Willian gets a game every week. Bellerin gets a game every week. You know, as soon as somebody's injured, Granite Chaka comes straight into the side. I'm not so sure that these players deserve those uh, those starting places, but I've trusted the manager to believe that this is the right um, team. But in my opinion, there's some problems there. And I'm asking some questions. So you ask about, is the manager to blame for Pepe? Yeah. And I think that sometimes you can say that perhaps some of the lack of uh, starting or the kind of uh, players being disillusioned is down to Arteta. And what I don't want, Harry, is these players down in tools on another manager like they did with Unai Emery at Baku, because that for me was difficult to see. And I just hit rock bottom under Emery. And I don't want to hit rock bottom again under Mikel Arteta. Yeah, I, I feel like... As a fan base, we are very reactionary. It's not just Arsenal fans. You know, we get a bad name because of some of the platforms out there. But football fans in general nowadays with social media are in a position to vent, to do it easily and to do it immediately and to do it to a very wide audience. And so it feels like we've all become a little bit more reactionary. You're absolutely right when you say we're just nine games in, you know, nine games in. And four of those games have been against Leicester who were ahead of us last season, narrowly missed out on Champions League qualification. Manchester United, Manchester City, um, Liverpool, obviously the runaway champions. So, you know, you've got to put that into context as well. And I think, look, if we're still in this position, 16, 17 games into the season, sort of getting towards that halfway point, then I think the noises will get louder and rightly so. Um, But I'm still, I'm still very much, being patient at the moment. But like you, I have questions about some of the decisions and I don't think there's anything wrong with raising those as long as it's done in a a respectful and constructive manner. And people will sit there and go, you know, oh, well, you're just saying what you want to say, but you don't actually want to say, you know, you don't actually want to be blunt and honest. That's not the case. I think there there is a middle ground. People can sort of be on the fence about stuff. And maybe just don't have their minds fully made up right now about whether this is the right boss for us. But you can nine games into a season. You can nine games into a season. If we were into three seasons now and this was happening, then of course we'd probably be more like the Wenger in, Wenger out situation. And then of course the Emery in and out. But nine games into a new season when we just come off the back of an FA Cup win, which some would say were lucky or whatever. He got that team winning big games. Let's hope he's to get that back to it because we do need to start being more attractive to watch Harry. We really do. At the moment, we're boring. It is boring to watch Arsenal. It really is. He sorted us out defensively. We might be more disciplined, but we're still losing football matches and we're not scoring goals. And you have to score goals to win games. It's just, it's just that simple. Yeah, no, you're right. You're right. 
Right, uh, we're coming towards the end of the program. Don't forget to uh, smash the like button if you haven't already. Subscribe to the channel if you are new. Lots of tributes being paid uh, to Diego Maradona and, of course, to Heavy D, who we learned um, sadly lost his life as well. So um, once again, just want to repeat our condolences to the friends and family of both. Um, as I said, um, we'll be bringing you some some Diego Maradona content uh, in the next few days is something I'm really keen to do and put together. So I look forward to sharing that with you guys and I'd love to hear your feedback as well. Um, don't forget that this podcast is brought to you by Manscaped. So uh, if you are in need of uh, some care in that kind of area or you know someone that might be, uh, head over to manscaped.com, enter the promo code CHRONICLESAFC, all in capitals, you'll receive 20% off and free shipping. Uh, so do check that out. My thanks to Dan uh, for joining me this evening on this live edition of the Chronicles of Aguna. Big thanks to every single one of you in the chat. And we'll be back tomorrow morning, bright and early with a brand new show that's going to be coming to you guys daily, Monday to Friday. So keep your eyes peeled for that. Come and join me and you'll get a feel of what it's all about. We'll also be keeping these evening streams going. So uh, make sure you've got the notifications turned on as well. And as I said at the very beginning and just a few minutes ago, if you haven't subscribed, make sure you do it. Dan, thank you so much, mate. How can people keep up with you on social media? Cheers, Harry. Thanks for having me back on again, mate. Always a pleasure coming on the Chronicles of Aguna. Uh, my Twitter handle is at DanArsenal87. Please come and give me a follow. Uh, I'm always up for talking and engaging with Arsenal fans about our football club. Uh, also, I'm on the same old Arsenal podcast every Monday night and every Friday night. I do a preview show on Fridays, which is called the same old Arsenal team talk. And I get a opposition fan on which this week, uh, Friday will be a Wolves fan. So come and join us Friday, seven o'clock, Monday, eight o'clock normally at same old AFC in capitals on Twitter. Brilliant stuff. Dan, thank you so much. Thank you to you guys. And we'll be back very, very soon with more. I'm off to eat my dinner. Cheers. listening to the Chronicles of Aguna, the Arsenal podcast. I'm Martin Tyler, and you're listening to Harry Simeon.